you guys welcome back to tomes of terror my little book review series that i have going on here so i remember in the past i don't know like year year and a half something like that um i've seen like a lot of book reviewers talking about camilla sten's you know internationally acclaimed 2021 novel the lost village now it seems like a lot of the reviews have been mixed but mainly kind of tending toward the positive and the premise at least from like a sentence or two uh sounded pretty intriguing so i was like well i don't really care like if some people didn't like it or not i'm gonna sit down and read it because you know it sounded kind of uh intriguing so i sat my ass down and read the thing and i ended up liking it uh quite a lot now i can totally understand some of the criticism too which i might get into later but on the whole like i really really enjoyed this very much i thought it was like really really uh evocative and like really atmospheric and i really got into it so camilla sten is i think a swedish author and she's actually the daughter of a rather well-known crime writer named vivica or vivica sten uh the two of them have collaborated on like some ya thrillers and a couple of other things matter of fact uh the lost village was actually first published as i believe staden was the name of it in sweden back in 2019 and has since gone on to be translated into a whole bunch of different languages 17 languages 19 languages something like that uh it's also been optioned for film which actually doesn't surprise me one bit uh the story is very cinematic and it would probably make a really really creepy movie or probably better as a miniseries uh, Alexandra Fleming, by the way, uh, did the English translation, which obviously is what I read because I don't speak Swedish. Now, in most of the marketing that I saw for this book, uh, the novel was pitched as The Blair Witch Project meets Midsommar, which is sort of accurate, I guess, as far as it goes, but it also kind of like sells the story this story short a little bit in my opinion another weird thing is i keep seeing it called a crime thriller more than a horror novel which i don't really get because to me this seemed to sit very comfortably in the horror camp uh way more than it did in the crime genre this isn't really a crime you know what i mean it's like when you think of like swedish crime thriller you think of like you know the girl who kicked the hornet's nest or something like that this is nothing like that so i don't really know like maybe they're just it's just a marketing thing like to try to hey if you like stieg larsen stuff like you'll like this too because it's also swedish even though it's not really anything the same but whatever i mean you know what the hell do i know nothing um maybe and honestly probably calling something a thriller would probably like attract a maybe a much wider swath of readers than calling it a horror story would because horror stories even though like a lot more people read them nowadays it's still kind of like a niche market whereas thriller is a lot more you know has a lot more people that are willing to read those i will say though that in my estimation this is totally a horror story i have to say too that it deals with actually one of my favorite tropes in fiction, which is an unexplained mass disappearance. I love that kind of shit. And actually like creepy kind of shit that happens, you know, like Roanoke and all that kind of stuff that happened like in real life. Like I really like that uh, hearing, even though I think there's, I'm sure there's probably like a really prosaic explanation for that in particular, but it's still like a really intriguing like thing to think about, ooh, what could have happened to them? So I really liked it. I think that was what attracted me to this particular novel in the first place was I was like, ooh, that sounds like really interesting. A whole bunch of people like go missing at once and nobody knows why. So The Lost Village, it essentially switches back and forth from like the present day timeline to an account of events leading up to kind of the central plot's disappearance which happened back in 1959. 
So in the present, our main protagonist is named Alice, and she's 29 years old. She's a filmmaker. Now, she's had some kind of like maybe mental health setbacks in the past, which they get into and which kind of factors into the plot a little bit. But at this stage in her life, she's kind of finally on the cusp of realizing her lifelong dream project. Ever since she was a child, she's been obsessed with the mystery behind this village called Silvertjarn, from which uh, nearly 900 residents suddenly vanished one day, never to be found. Uh, They didn't find any bodies. They didn't find anything. What ended up happening was that when relatives that lived outside the village, like, became worried because they're like, hey, we don't, we haven't heard anything from our relatives in Silvertown or anything like that. So they went there, like a couple of them went there to see what happened. And they found a bunch of just abandoned houses looking for all the world as though everybody had just stepped out for a moment and never returned. Like there was still like coffee cups left on the counter and like shit like that. It seemed like everyone's like, oh, I just went out to get the mail or something. And then shoot, they all got like fucking raptured or some shit. The abandoned houses though, aren't all they found. Uh, these two guys also found a dead woman tied to a pole in the town square and stoned to death. They also found a thankfully still alive baby girl who was discovered in the empty school. Uh, They didn't know who the parents were. They didn't know like how the baby was still there or anything like that. But uh, there was no other clue as to where everybody else had got off to or what exactly the fuck had happened here. Now, back in the 1950s, uh, you know, Alice, our present day protagonist, her grandmother, Margareta, she lived in this village, which was very, very remote, but very pleasant. You know what I mean? It was a mining village. Actually, there was a mine there. Um, And she lived there with her parents and sister. Now, Margareta, when she got older, she eventually kind of like married and she moved away like to the big city. She moved to Stockholm or whatever. But after she left, it seemed as though weird shit started happening like back in Silvertjarn. Like the mine closed down for one thing and that kind of forced everybody out of work. And so there was widespread poverty and some of the townsfolk like ended up moving away, but the ones that couldn't afford to do that, you know, they kind of got like more and more desperate. Now for a little while, Margareta was getting letters from her young sister, who I believe was like 12 or 13 named Aina. And in these letters, uh, Aina chronicles the arrival of a charismatic newcomer in town. Let's just say that. Not long after that, though, uh, the letters stopped coming. And, you know, not too long after that, uh, they found out that everybody in the town was gone, except for this one dead woman and this living baby that's inexplicably there, and they're not sure whose it is. Now, over the years after the disappearance, Margareta had kept everything relating to this mysterious tragedy in Silvertown, including, like, all the letters from her sister and, like, anytime anything about it in the newspaper or anything. So it was kind of a big deal in Sweden because it's like, you know, that's weird as shit, right? Now, when she died, she actually gifted this whole big treasure trove of historical information to Alice because she had been telling Alice about this weird shit that happened, like, all Alice's life, you know what I mean? So Alice has finally got funding from like a backer who's also like a friend of hers, whose name is Max, to make a documentary about this incident, which she says she's been wanting to do since she was like nine years old and she went to film school so she could realize this dream, right? Now, coming along with her on this journey to the abandoned town is the aforementioned Max who, you know, had kind of like made some money in tech or something like that. And, you know, was like, yeah, I'll back some of your project. Also coming along is Emmy, 
who's an experienced, she's kind of worked in the industry a lot, an experienced director. She was also Alice's former best friend before they had some kind of tragic falling out sometime before. There's also um, a young woman named Tone or Tone. I'm not really sure how you pronounce that. Uh, she's a photographer and she's also like a newer, you know, close friend of Alice's. She also has some personal ties to Silver Tjarn. And then rounding out the rest of the cast is Robert, who I think is like Emmy's boyfriend. And he's also kind of like the tech guy. You know what I mean? He's one who knows how to like shoot all the footage and whatnot. So this preliminary trip to the Lost Village is only going to last five days. They're not like making the entire documentary this time around, but they are kind of hoping to kind of scout the place out, get some footage and some photos that will help them to put together like a promotional package and a trailer that will help to get them more investors so they can come back later and make like the full scale documentary out of it. Alice, uh, perhaps somewhat naively, I guess, is also hoping that maybe she'll come across some clue as to what happened to all the residents all that time ago that was somehow overlooked. Pretty much from the minute they arrive, though, um, things are, like, unsettling as shit, right? Like, Silver Tjarn is exactly as creepy as its reputation would suggest. And even though, like, Alice is very, very excited by this, the whole, like, eerie visuals they're capturing, she's like, oh my god, look at this place, and they're, like, taking pictures of it and everything. And I have to say, too, that, like, the prose here is really evocative. Like I said, like, when you first get there with this crew and, like, the author is describing, like, what it looks like, I could really picture this kind of, like, really creepy forgotten empty village just kind of like rotting away under the Swedish sun like holding its secrets in it was like really really I, I think it was like really well written because I could really like see it in my mind but uh they're not there too long before tensions start to mount particularly between Alice and Emmy who have some unresolved issues from their past friendship which they probably need to sort out uh Tone also starts acting pretty weird as the days go by and what's even worse than that is that apparently maybe paranormal stuff like starts to happen. Like they'll see somebody like they see somebody like looking in the windshield of the van like well there's something they and they're just like oh well maybe it was one of the other because there's five people there. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, we don't know if it was like one of them or if it was something like that. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like they think they see people, but they're not sure. Um, they also hear like weird noises over their walkie talkies, like that sounds kind of like screaming or singing or something like that. And they're just like, what the fuck is it? Well, it wasn't me. I don't even have my walkie talkie. It was that kind of stuff. Like sometimes when they're exploring some of the abandoned buildings, they think they hear footsteps, footsteps like down in the bottom parts of the building. So it's like shit like that, which maybe leads you to believe that maybe the shit's haunted or there's something going on. Now, also while they're looking around, Alice finds... A few, like, disquieting little clues, like, stashed in some of the houses. You know, there's some, there's, like, an unfinished letter, which sounds kind of weird. Um, there's, like, some photographs. There's uh, kind of, like, a written sermon, which sounds kind of fucked up. There's some, you know, really kind of spooky, what looks like child's drawings, that kind of shit. Now, at about the halfway point of the book, something kind of big and uh, very unexpected happens. I mean, I sure, certainly was not expecting it. Um, and it ends up, like, the the back half of the book essentially, like, plunges this hapless film crew into survival mode. That's what it becomes, like, from that point forward. And then, meanwhile, we're kind of going back and forth, like, 
was like the events of 1959 are also kind of like unspooled little by little as we, the readers, are slowly let in on the series of events which led up to the entire town of Silvertown, like, seemingly disappearing off the face of the earth. So, as I mentioned, I actually really enjoyed this novel a great deal. Uh, it was very compelling. It was very eerie. Uh, and it got me, like, uh, invested in the mystery, like, really early on, like, from the first paragraph. Uh, the buildup of the mystery, the buildup of the intrigue was really, really well done. I mean, my eyeballs were just like latched to the page, waiting to see what the resolution was going to be. Now, that said, this was one common criticism that I saw, and I kind of agree to it, like maybe slightly, but I'm not sure that the solution to the mystery is all that believable. Let me say that. Like, there was some aspects of it where I was like, uh, well, I'm not really sure if that's how that would go. But you know what I mean? So it was like a little bit disappointing in that regard. But overall, I didn't really mind that. I think mainly because the rest of the book was so good and like so immersive. Like I said, I could really picture what was going on you know, and, like, picture this whole setting. Um, I really love the concept of a disappearing town full of people. And in general, I really liked the direction that Camilla Sten went in with it. So I would actually recommend this to anybody looking for, like, a more maybe spooky, atmospheric sort of read in more of, like, the mainstream horror vein. And I'm not saying that to be disparaging. I'm just saying the book isn't super gory or, like, super... It's horror, but it's not, like, super horror. You know what I mean? It's not, like, real graphic or anything like that. It seemed pretty accessible to a wider audience that maybe doesn't read much horror, which is maybe why it was marketed as a thriller, even though it's kind of not. So I kind of feel like if you're just kind of, like, a casual horror fan or you just like spooky books, it's like you'll probably, like, really dig it. Now, if you're a real, you know, if you're a real seasoned horror fan, you might think... Well, it's like overly familiar or it's like this movie or it's like that book or something like that. Because it does have like a few, it does borrow a few tropes that are like not all that uncommon. But to be honest, it's just, I thought it was exceptionally well put together. And I think if they ever like make a movie or a mini series out of this, I think it'll be really successful because that's kind of how it played out while I was reading it. Like I could, it was very visual and I could actually like see it. And I was like, man, if they made a good mini series out of this, this would kick ass. It would be really, really good. So that will do it for this Tomes of Terror. Be sure to like and share and comment if you enjoy the content and I'll see you guys again on the next one. Bye.